welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Turhinen. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. We're here to guide you on your recovery journey, but please remember the thoughts, conversations, and advice given in this podcast do not replace the advice given by your therapist or medical provider. Our primary purpose is to educate and bring light to a topic that is too often kept in the shadows, breeding shame. Here, we talk about the things that are too hush-hush to talk about, so you don't feel alone, so you are validated in your experience and so that you know that recovery is possible and there are real effective tools and solutions available. We're so glad you're here. Okay, so I'm Kylene. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> and this is the first first episode, so full disclosure, which is a triggering word, right? We, um, we recorded episodes while we were going through this, but then decided it would just be better and more. Yeah, more I nice think to, I think we will be more informative. There was a lot of raw emotion in that. Which in, in, in some ways episodes. good. I wonder if maybe we'll pull in some of the clips eventually, yeah, but. At some point, at some point. But I think we may cover more ground, be more informative. Yeah, having the knowledge of getting through it. So. I'm Kyleen. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I'm an NLP life coach. Um, I'm certified in hypnosis and QTT. So I now work with women who have gone through sexual betrayal trauma or are actually are going through sexual betrayal trauma. And I help them work on emotional processing, dealing with triggers, processing the actual trauma of the event and um, emotions associated with it. Um, So that is my work. I work with them one-on-one. Do you want to give yourself a little intro? Yeah. So uh, I actually don't really work in the field. So I I actually, I run a, uh, I run a uh, uh, manufacturing plant and I've been doing that for 21 years and I was in the army before that, but I'm a father and a husband and I run several groups that help men recover from sexual bondage and and acting out and that sort of thing. So that's been, that's been something I've been very excited about. Yeah. I was going to say, you don't work you don't make money in the field but you're you're leading several groups and and very active in the community absolutely absolutely yeah cool so the purpose we really wanted to start with this first episode with the purpose of this podcast and and why we decided to go public so i went public in june of 22 with our story and there's a lot of mixed emotions around from the public, from people on social media around this topic. This topic, and yeah. it well specifically around be, us being willing to talk about it. So I mean, there's a lot of why would you share your dirty laundry like that? You know, and I made a post yesterday that's like I'm not actually sharing dirty laundry because it, we're sharing a story of redemption. So I'm actually sharing clean clean laundry. That's right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a lot of mixed emotions. I think there's a lot of emotional triggers for people because either they're engaged in the behavior or they've been burned by it. And so I think when they see people talking about it, there's a lot there. And then we've also gotten a ton of support of like, 
you know, this has happened in my life and you guys sharing your story and how to heal has been incredibly helpful. Now we're getting therapy for the first time and the, and the right types of therapy or hearing a story that's similar to mine is just like really, really helpful. Watching you guys progress through this is incredibly encouraging, you know, so we've gotten a lot of positive feedback and there's only so much that you can do in a 60 second or 90 second video clip on social media. And I, I, with my businesses in the past and, and currently, I'm very heavy on social media and you're not. Right. So we thought a podcast would be a great way to actually have deeper conversations. Um, you know, when, when women are DMing me and asking me a lot of questions and I can go um, a little bit deeper, I feel like that's really helpful. When, you're, when you are in um, the sessions with the men, you're able to go deeper. And so we've really found a lot of topics. There's so many pieces to this topic and throughout healing there's so many nuances that we just thought a podcast would be a little bit easier first of all to give Patrick the opportunity to be a little bit more present in the conversation and also um because you're not really on my social media right and then also um to just for for both of us to be able to go deeper into it yeah and and I think what's uh the reaction we get from people about this topic is sex in and of itself is taboo Right. And so people generally don't want to talk about sex or anything that is dysfunctional about sex or anything like that. So yeah. it, it uh, you really, I think it's not necessarily maybe about us and what we're covering. I think you uncover a lot of people and their own personal beliefs on what you should share, what you shouldn't share. Oh, what you're allowed to and talk about right, publicly. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. So I think you're experiencing that, whereas people who are, are aware that there's a lot of hurt in, in sex... I mean, a tremendous amount of hurt, and I think that's what I learned over the last two years. Is is uh, it's important to talk about it the same way we talk about how uh, smoking causes cancer or drinking and driving is, is harmful. I think it, you know you have to talk about these things yeah. in order to kind of move society forward. Yeah, I mean, it's like in the Christian community, the whole idea that like, oh, well, it's bad until it's good, and then you get really confused, mm-hmm. or oh, wait, I don't know that I'm having a period until I have a period, and then. <laughs> Yeah. What is this, right? There's a whole there's a whole shame um, around the idea of it, even though it's a, a something that happens to everybody, and um, right. you know right. it's part of life, and yeah, absolutely. So uh, we wanted to kind of go over a few reasons that we're having the podcast more specifically. So we we really want to provide education and awareness both around sexual betrayal trauma and sex addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, We really found that, again, publicly, there's not a lot. In the church, there's not a lot. There's depends on the church. But I would say it's safe to say in a majority of churches, there's no conversation about this. Um, If there is, it's very hush-hush. It does parallel. I think overall there's the, you know, uh, I think alcohol addiction and drug addiction has been around longer than the notion of sex addiction. And so I think it, it, you know, not only is there not a lot out there in the world, right. but you, then you take it into the small microcosm of the church where shame exists and judgment and, and things like that in a, in a negative way. And it, it goes even further underground. Yeah. And then around that, I mean, they just recognize sex addiction as a thing fairly recently. And so sexual betrayal trauma as a result of a spouse um, coming out saying I have a sex addiction that's even less, mm-hmm. or it's even more new. 
Right. Um, so <clears throat> in, even in the counseling community and then in the church community, I mean, there's just really old ideas about it and um, they're still circulating in there. So in the counseling community, they transition from codependency to sexual betrayal trauma. And that's again, fairly new, even more new than the idea of sex addiction. So we really do also want to provide hope to individuals and couples because we really want to let you know that recovery is possible. And that is true, whether you choose to recover as an individual. Um, So you say you are a couple. No, as an individual or as a couple. So if you guys choose to stay together or not, recovery is possible for both individuals. So if you are a sex addict, you can recover by yourself. If you are a betrayed partner and you choose to get divorced, you can still recover. And if both partners are willing to do the recovery work, you're able to recover as a couple if if that's the choice you're making. And so we kind of want to, there's a lot of nuances in there. There's a lot of pieces that have to kind of align in order to recover as a couple. Um, but we do want to make sure that we say it is possible if both of you are on board. Mm-hmm. And it's totally possible for each of you to recover and live happy, healthy lives, even if it's not together. So right. regardless of the journey there. Anything you want to say about that from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when, as this was coming out for me, uh, I remember thinking I was very committed to recovery. And uh, you're, I, I, I applied kind of the standards I've had through my entire life when trying to, to, to do better at something, go find the resources. And you're right, there aren't a lot out there. And so mm-hmm. hopefully this these uh, 30 to 40 minute podcasts will help couples and people and individuals as they're going through it because it's possible to recover and you can live a life of freedom. Yeah, and we um, <clears throat> we have learned a lot. So because of that, we want to make sure that we're sharing all of the things that do work, all of the tools and the resources and the things that we have found because we've really gathered a lot over the past two years. Right. And uh, kind of, I mean, we were pointed in the right direction very early in a really supportive direction really early. Um, but I mean, we've done a lot of work to gather resources. And and to some extent, we found a little bit of being in the ex- exposed to this world and the recovery world, we are beginning to understand more and more of like what really, what does it really take mm-hmm. and what it, what does not work and what are some of the pitfalls that we see a lot. So we'll talk about a lot of that. Yes. And then, um, and then we sort of just touched on this, but reiterating that even if you want to recover as a couple, your primary goal, if you want it to work, has to be that the two individuals are healing as individuals. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and they said that um, the rate of recovery is based on the individual that recovers the slowest. So it's really important through that process that even if if your goal is to heal as a couple, you have to be doing individual healing work in order for that to happen. And that's going to be based on whoever's going a little bit slower. Right. And, and in, in, in keeping with that, recovery is not a straight line. And so it has right. its, it's uh, you, you, you get better, you feel good, you think everything's okay. And then triggers come up or hard feelings come in or whatever you know, may happen. And it kind of sets you back a little bit. But that is natural. And it's all part of the process as, as you recover. Yeah. So let's start with kind of the basic, the basic story. Mm-hmm. So let's start actually with our relationship history because I think that plays um, an important role mm-hmm. in kind of how everything developed and where we are today. 
Sure. So do you want to start with how we met? Sure, sure. So I, uh, uh, I came out of a previous relationship. I was divorced in 2010. And myself and, and my son, our son, ended up, um, we moved here in 2011. So we found a place to live. And uh, it was a, a little bit of a, I want to say circuitous, but that doesn't sound like the right word. Fortuitous. Fortuitous, thank you. <laughs> circuitous. <laughs> we went around in circles. Yeah, yeah, fortuitous uh, journey. But he and I uh, lived in a place and ended up meeting some people in the neighborhood. And there was another um, lady in the neighborhood who had a child around Keegan's age. And she had a a nanny and the nanny turned out to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. So through hanging out and, and um, 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 talking to people about what you're looking for and things like that, that nanny ended up making a connection between the two of us. And we met at a, uh, at a party after Thanksgiving in 2011. And I uh, played it really cool and didn't talk to you the whole time. So I, I, I didn't ruin it, um, I guess. And so... Uh, Literally didn't talk to me at all. Yeah. Like maybe one or two sentences. It, no conversation was had at this right. party. And the thing that is so funny to me is he knew that this party was actually designed for us to meet. Right. I thought it was, hey, there's a party and you can use it to meet this person. This party exists. But it actually got created once I said, yes, I'll meet him in real life. So, And he knew that. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that for a really long time. So... You really took advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just, I, I wasn't very good at dating, and I wasn't very good at, uh, and, and you know, there was a lot of, a lot of pain and stuff I was coming out of, and I was worried about my son and all of these different things. So my natural default was to not really put myself out there, and so kind of keep up a wall. But I, you know, I guess you know, God has a plan and things like that. Because as much as I ruined that night by not talking to you, we were on a date the second night. So the, the very next day, we actually went to a Was movie. Was it the next day? Yeah, we went to dinner and a movie with me, you, and... And, and Keegan. And Keegan, yeah. yeah. So, and then the it following week... Much. Yeah, and then the following week, we were able to do some individual dates, because Keegan was, was still young at that point, and uh, just connected, connected really well, and, and talked a lot, stayed up till midnight, and, and all of these things. Shut everything and, down. Yeah, shut everything down, and, and just really enjoyed our time with each other, and, and so... Um, you know, I can't speak for her, but I know uh, as soon as I as I met her and started spending time with her with with you, um, you're Kylene, I'm Patrick, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was really like at that point I felt I felt really good about the relationship and who you were and and what you were about and and that sort of thing. So it's like you start to plan longer term things. So that happened pretty early in the relationship, in my mind. We clicked pretty quickly. Yeah. Right. We, um, right. Yeah. It was a, a whirlwind romance, as yeah, you would, as you would yeah. say, and um, yep. I think we felt we mutually fell in love pretty fast. Yeah, we were engaged at a year, and then uh, married at a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if that's fast or slow. No, I think I mean that's a fairly normal timeline. But I right. think falling in love was like I mean we knew very early on within that first year, like yeah. it was like a couple months in. I think right. we were both kind of like, yeah, this is our this person. is for real, yeah, yeah, yeah. So within that, I, so I have also was married previously. So we both came from, um, a history of divorce and that was actually one of the things we were able to to talk about and connect on to some extent. Mm -hmm. And it it was a relationship where we had both been cheated on by our previous partners as well. And so again, connection level and similar emotions and experiences and all those sorts of things. And I came from that relationship 
and had done some thinking about what it was that I wanted in a relationship, what were the similarities in my previous relationships that were either things that I liked about these people or with these failed relationships, obviously things that maybe I did not want to find again. And so I was kind of doing some of that processing when we met. And then when we met, I really felt like it was like just every box checked, everything clicked to the point where, I mean, even having a divorce in my past, I didn't have any cold feet whatsoever. No second thoughts about walking down the aisle. I mean, no red flags in my mind, no butterflies about it in a bad way. I mean, like no, mm-hmm. nothing. And so when everything came out, I had always viewed our relationship as this magical fairy tale soulmate type connection thing. And then when it came out, I still had you up on this really high pedestal because I viewed you a certain way. And at that point had no, no indication from you that there was any other reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we got along really well. We communicated really well. We enjoyed spending time together. Um, you know, all of the things within a, a relationship and a marriage that you think you would check the box. I thought our boxes were checked. Mm-hmm. So the reason I kind of bring up the pedestal thing is because I think this ha- happens and shows up in the relationships. It's like the higher on a pedestal you have someone when you discover that they have the secret life and the secret addiction, there's a, a, a farther distance to fall. Right, right. And for me, that distance was so tremendous. And I think that played into the level of shock and trauma that I experienced because it was so anti the reality that I thought I was living at the time. I mean, I thought I knew you because at the time it came out, we had been together nine and a half years or so. So Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's a significant amount of time. I really felt like I knew your personality. I really felt like I knew your heart. I really felt like I knew what you did, who you spent time with you know, how you spent your time, what you believed, what you felt. Like, I thought I knew all those things about you. And in in my view of the world at the time, you know, everything was good. And everything was normal and healthy and happy. And even, even though I had a couple things, I was like, you know, we could work on this here or there. We had been together nine and a half years, right? Like, who, right, that's, right. that's normal to an extent. It was kind of what was going on in my mind, right? So that pedestal was such a steep fall and I was so absolutely shocked when, when all of this started coming out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, um, you know, cause it's not like we were fighting right. or, 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 you know, disliking each other or. Yeah. I mean, we weren't active. We were still actively hanging out with each other. We were, you know, prioritizing conversations with each other. And that's, I mean, and really I was, I was a, the thing that, that made my my addiction worse is I was a master at keeping it secret and keeping it separate. And not every addicted spouse demonstrates, I think, the things that I do. So in some sense, my success at keeping it a secret what do you mean? fed it a little bit more. Like sometimes in, in, uh, in, uh, in relationships, you'll see where somebody has moderately caught somebody or whatever, something like that, and then but it continues or whatever. Like you had no... There was nothing and like we weren't arguing. We weren't like I wasn't going out and hanging out with the buddies and drinking until 3 a.m. Like there was nothing. I was present with Keegan. I was, you know, so all of those things. And so it was that's what made it so hard for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So from my perspective, everything was good. Now, what was your perspective? Because you were living it. So, um, 
you know, deep, deep shame. Um, I remember thinking what's wrong with me, um, because I had you and you were beautiful and everything that I would have ever asked for. And, and Keegan was a great kid. He was smart. He loved spending time with me. Yeah, you know, we had, you have little things here and there when you're raising kids that create a little bit of stress, but the stress was relatively low, you know, for the most part from, a, from an objective sense, work was going well. And it was one of these things I just really did not like to do. And, and as time marched on, um, it became more and more of an anguish, uh, uh, you know, deep in, deep in my soul because I knew I wasn't living the way people thought I was living. And that's a, like my mom, I remember talking to her, she's passed away now, but she was like, boy, you've really, you know, your relationship with Kyleen, you've really moved closer to Christ. And, and you know, and oh, it, yeah. yeah, and it's really nice to hear those things from your mom, but like, well, I'm not going to tell her that because that would crush her. And mm-hmm. she was fighting cancer and you know what I mean? So like you keep making these micro decisions in your mind that you think, you know, protects people, but all it does is, is hurt people further and drives you further into secrecy. And so there was a lot of just, um, will I ever get out of this? Is there ever any way to, to break this? And I was trying things, yeah, you know, in my own weird, limited way to, to quit. And I was praying and I was reading the Bible and I was doing all of these things, which I fully understand now, having learned more about, about this addiction, why those things didn't work. But at the time, you know, you, you pray deeply, you read the Bible, it doesn't work. So then you go, well, I, I guess I'm just unworthy of, of being saved. And so, you know, you really take on this, this belief that you are a massively flawed individual Mm -hmm. and that your life will never change. And, and so, so it was just, it was that, that divide between how I was portrayed and, you know, and to a sense what I cultivated too. I think I have to take responsibility for that and it, you know, exactly what was happening. So it was a, it was not, it was not a good time emotionally and mentally. And, and I think as it got closer and deeper and, and, and all of these different things, I, I often wonder, and I was very, very much in feeling trapped and like it would never change. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would have ultimately made it to, to taking my own life, but it was, you know, it was really getting desperate and, uh, like that was the only way out. And so that's what was going on inside my mind. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about like the marriage relationship? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved spending time with you. And, and so after discovery, when you would, you would say things like, well, you never knew what it means to love. I was like, no, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So, well, actually though, Two years later, do you understand what I meant by that? Absolutely, yeah. And, and absolutely. do you have a different perspective on what love is after this? Yes, so- yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's like in your own limited way, you're like, well, of course I love you, and and I've always, I, I believe, I've always kind of taken responsibility for this. I don't make excuses for it, and so I understand the the impact of it and how it's affected you and how it's shaken your um, your view of our early relationship and all of that. Like I understand all that, maybe. At times, is, I may not like it, but it is, you know, it is what it is. But I, I, uh, I understand that now, and I understand what that means. And, and what's interesting is, like, I used to always, you know, read the the uh, passage from the Bible, and I don't know the path, you know, the, the the reference, but you know, love your wife like like God loves the church. Like I read that, and I wanted to live that, and I couldn't, mm-hmm. and I really couldn't until it all came out, and then I got help, and then you start to understand what that means, and it really takes on. 
a, uh, a deep, deep spiritual um, mindfulness sense that you've got to understand what that means. And that might mean at times standing there while you yell at me because I hurt you. That might mean um, sleeping downstairs. That might mean handing over my phone and saying, here, look through it. That might mean, like I did the other day, sending you an email that says, hey, I'm getting a new work laptop and I want to make sure you know so you don't get surprised. You know what I mean? And some people will be like, oh, you shouldn't have to do that stuff. I'm like, yeah, but if you love somebody and you've hurt them and you're trying to change the way your your life is is the direction of your life, well, then what's the problem? You know, I guess mm-hmm. is, is what I would say. Yeah, everything that you were talking about is um, taking responsibility and then um, being proactive as opposed to reactive. Right, right, right. Don't 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 give you reason to doubt because reason to doubt causes uh, it, it gets you dysregulated, and that's not a healthy spot for you to be in. So just get in front of it, and then if you have questions, I can answer those questions. But we've had a couple of situations where I did absolutely nothing wrong over the last two years. But were miscommunications, and I've learned from those because it, it created, you know, I think it wasn't the one time I came in and you came walking over me and I turned my phone upside down. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, I was literally, there was nothing going on, and I yeah. don't even know why I did that. It was yeah. just, but it's a lesson. So now I'm a little bit more aware, and so, like, the counter to that so you is. Take your, yeah, I come close to you, you flip your phone over. Right. It's like, hey, why? what are right. you hiding from me? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So now, like, I make it a point, like, if, if. If we go somewhere and I have to go to the store and get something, I'll, you know, if I remember, I'll try to leave my phone in the car. Yeah. And I'm not in there. So that means you can just pick it up and check it. You know or I mean? even, things I mean, like it's that. little things. Like, this is a whole, I feel like this could be a whole episode of, like, how do we how do we do this? Episode 12. Yeah. <laughs> we should write that down. But, I, I mean, but it's even little things. Like, um, so there's the Life360 on our phones, right? Mm-hmm. So we can see where we are. And, um if you go somewhere that's kind of out of the norm, you try to always let me know. Now, I don't really look at it that often, yeah, but yeah. we know that it's there. And right. if I was to kind of pull it up and at a time where I thought you were working or somewhere else, right? Like, so little things like that go a long way. I, I do think that would be a really valid, um, a whole session to talk about. Absolutely. What, what yeah. does that look like to what, be building trust right. and being proactive right. with your yeah. spouse there's so a, that they feel safe? Right. There's a just activity level and then there's a proactivity level. And then there's even a reactivity level that, that you have to become like the ability to teach a master class in. And that those are, those three things can ultimately teach you how, how to, to grow trust again. And proactivity, meaning not not being proactive, but like this is an activity that you can do to build trust. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying like like the proactivity thing is me emailing you about the laptop. Oh, okay. The active thing is just doing the right thing. Okay, okay. And then the reactive thing is, hey, if you forgot about it and then you have questions, don't get triggered about it. Just describe and say, I gotcha. hey, I understand where you're coming from. Let me show you what's going on. And then you go, oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. So, um, all right, I think we've convinced everybody we had an amazing relationship. <laughs> no, we really did. And, and actually, to, you know, I think, I think this is important, too, is when I just, you know, decided, and, and at some point we'll probably talk about that. I'm not sure if you're going to talk about that. But, but when I decided that I was going to start to come clean, and it was hard for me, and I was trying to, to do things, you know, Kyleen was supportive. I remember her hugging me on day one, which I didn't deserve. And I remember her, you know, doing things like I, you know, I slept downstairs and she would come down and hug me or climb into bed with me real briefly and then go, you know, and, and so, you know, Kylene was always committed, you know, to what she felt was the version of me that she had met. 
And, and, and I think she had to learn it, it, as hard as that whole thing was, I had to learn about myself and fix myself and be more of that version that I wanted to be. And you had to learn and say, oh my gosh, is this somebody that, what version of him is the version I want to be with? And so we did have a, and, you know, and even through this time, I think we communicated pretty well in light of the massive amounts of, of dysregulation that was going on in both of our bodies at that point. Mm. You know, I, I think we were I think kind. communication is one of the things that really helped us a lot. Yeah, we were kind. We were aligned on, for the most part, on what we were going to do with Keegan. There's one incident in the other one. But, um, I mean, I think for the most part, we wanted him to be okay. And right. there was, he, was, there was, he came up very quickly mm-hmm. as a priority, like, as soon as all this was coming out. Like, well, how are we going to handle that situation? Right, right. Yeah. So, so and, and I think that's actually helped him through this process. He had to, you know, it's hard for a teenager to watch this stuff go on. It's hard for an adult to go through it. Um, but, yeah, he was, I, I think we, we've always been fairly aligned. I think we're more aligned now because of this. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think I think you know I I I, I don't know I, I feel like we we just did a fantastic job and the found the foundational things that were part of the way to go. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I think the foundational things that were in place before this came out really did serve us well. Well, when okay, so when I found out and had to go, this is who I thought I knew. This is what you're showing me. How do I rectify those two? Because they seem like complete opposites, right? On the pedestal, you were this person that I felt like was full of character and integrity and honesty and always followed through with what you said you would do. And always, like, I don't really, to this day, I don't think I have any examples of you lying to me unless it was about the addiction. So I had a history of nine and a half years of knowing you and living with you for almost eight at that time, and it's um, almost ten now. Where it's like, I see. I thought I knew who you were, but then I'm getting this documentation and this proof that you're actively living something else. Mm-hmm. And so I was put in this position of, is it all a lie? Right. Or can if your addiction goes away, can you actually be this person that I thought I was living with in the first place? Right. And so you had given me enough of a history of, okay, I do what I say I'm going to do. I follow through on hard things. If I have a plan, I follow through on the plan that once we kind of figured out what was happening, I want, I did feel like it was a reasonable thing to give you space to show me that you could do it because I thought you demonstrated that in a lot of other areas. So now that we knew what was happening, could you do it there? The other question I had was, okay, cool, if you can do that, can I handle it? Mm-hmm. Will I be able to recover? Right. And at that point, you know. And those are two mutually exclusive things. Right. Especially early, early on, they're very mutually exclusive. Right, because you could have been doing, and you did, you could have been doing every single thing and checking off every single box. Right. And it could have been something for me that just didn't work for me. Right. That I, I couldn't. I, the hurt was too deep. Right. Yeah. And and to to be honest, your situation worked out in a way that was sort of Goldilocks in terms of just under the barrier of what I would have been able to handle. Right. So had there been emotional affairs, had there been physical affairs, you know, all those sorts of things, I don't think I, I, that would have really 
I don't think I would have been able to do that. Yeah. And, and I, and yeah, so, so that kind of played into it. So I had to really see, and then you, and what I did was I really sat back and watched Mm -hmm. how was this going to play out? Were you going to check off the boxes? And then a couple months into it, I started working on my own recovery and then we were doing what we were talking about earlier. You were focusing on you. I was focusing on me over that time. We kind of overlapped a little bit, but it, we were really working on individual recovery as a primary focus for a long time. Yeah, I'd say I'd say over a year. Yeah, for a really long time. Yeah. But even I mean, it's not to say that your coupleship is like ignored during that period of time because we. Sure, it, yeah, you do work on it. Yeah, because yeah. We, we had to communicate. I mean, I we communication while while I always felt like it was fairly good exponentially increased after this absolutely yeah the depth of communication the vulnerability of communication what we're talking Mm -hmm. about how much we're talking about how we're checking in how we're monitoring our own emotions and communicating them to the other person so that they know what's happening in our world at that time right so then we were constantly communicating this is how i feel this day and but like on both sides as part of your recovery you were beginning to identify emotions as just who I am, I communicate, you know, I, I've kind of always been like that. Um, but it, it it increased tremendously and it became much more important because we had to be very aware of where we were day to day and week to week. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, to know where we were going to be able to go Mm -hmm. next. Okay. So I think that, um, the last question I have here before the next episode, we'll talk about discovery, but the last question I think here is, at this point, two years, how would you describe our relationship? So we, uh, you know, it, it, it and I'm, we were talking about this last night, so you prepped me a little bit. Oh, did I? Yeah, you did. And so I think... What did I say last night? You asked me but essentially the same question. Oh. So it's not like you prepped me. Like you just asked you asked a similar type question. Um, it's, you on, know, it's on my mind. It, it, so, I, you know, I, it, when you screw up and screw up big, and we've all screwed up in life, in life, but you know, this was a huge screw up for me. I, you know, I ended up hurting people that I didn't want to hurt. And, and it was just, it was a really, really horrific thing that I did. And so at the two year mark to hear you say something like, I really, really love you. And, um, you're emotional. (laughs) Like you, you, um, it, you don't deserve it, right? I mean, you do deserve it, right? We all deserve love in our lives, but to be at that point where somebody who knows everything about you, I mean, everything about you, I mean, you, you saw the monetary evidence and, and stuff like that, the deepest things that I would be ashamed of. And yet you're, you, you get up in the morning and you text me and say, I love you. I, you know, so it's, it's, it, it, and it didn't happen, you know, just because it happened. It happened because we both worked very, very hard. And and I remember thinking that, that I would never, I'm going to get emotional again. <laughs> but uh, the way you looked when it came out, when I came out of the bathroom and told you on the 1st or the 31st or whatever day, I, sometimes I get that mixed up, and thinking to myself, I never, ever want to hurt you like that again. And I remember coming away with that. And it still stays with me. And and so it, at the moment, I didn't know whether I could. Now I feel very confident I won't 
And so you couldn't stay in right because I didn't understand addiction. I was like, you know, you hear addictions and you hear people, you know, crazy. Yeah. Now I'm very confident. I won't. I'm not overconfident. I'm not arrogant. I'm not those. You're still doing the work. Yeah, I'm still doing the work, but I'm very confident that I'm never going to hurt you like that again. I may communicate poorly on something and hurt your feelings, but I won't hurt you the way I did then anymore. I mean, and that's and so to know that I've done that, to know that I've that I've been able to repair, to see the way you have courageously picked up, you know, the staff leading this family. And not that I ever felt like I was a leader of the family, but you did for two years and really held us together as, as a couple and held us together as a family. And it's, it's, um, it's, uh, unbelievable and it's, it's beautiful and it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's heartwarming. It's, um, but it's just, it's a really nice place to be and, and to just understand that we can actually, I never thought we'd be here at two years. And so we're far ahead of where I thought we'd be. And it just makes me excited about where we can be in, in another six months or three years or four years or whatever that's going to be. So it's just, it, it's great to sit here across from you and be able to talk about that and, and look on your face, the woman that I fell in love with and at a silly party in 2011, you know, so there um yeah yeah okay so i guess it's my turn um what was my question uh how would i describe our relationship now so um i think i would have described it before and then there during recovery i may maybe would have described it differently oh i don't know if that's true but i would just describe before and and right now I would describe it as, um, you know, you are my best friend. Yeah. I think you've always been my best friend. You're one of the, this is so ironic to me that, and I've said this to you, that you're one of the safest relationships I have in mm-hmm. terms of um, expressing empathy and compassion and um, accepting me for who I am and allowing me to say whatever it is I need to say or communicate or be vulnerable in any way. And, um, the reason that's so ironic, obviously, is, is because for a long time you were also the the least safe. Absolutely, yeah. Person, yeah, right. um, but I think as we came through that, doing the work that you did and doing the work that I did for recovery, really did um, strengthen the things that were good before, right? And actually build on that and improve that. So that's the parts of you that I liked before they stayed and they got better. Yeah. So the, um, you know, you were talking about, well, I was always present. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were always like there, but I actually think you became present once you got so present. Yeah. More. Well, I don't know how to describe that, but it was like you were there, mm-hmm. but then now you're really present with us. You're really engaged. Right. It's like a deeper level of communication and talking and emotion and um, just like even like just physically, you know, you know, it's like if somebody's on their phone, right? Like you're, I'm here with you, but I'm not here with you. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there was some of that right. before, not that you were constantly on your phone or whatever, sure. but I think yeah. it's like because of what was going on in your heart and your head, you weren't all there. Right. When you were physically in the room with us. Oh, yeah. That would have to be so. Yeah. yeah. And so once you got sober and started to get into recovery, it's like, 
it, it was just, it's just different. The level of communication and the level of like you physically being in the room right. and engaging with me. Um, and then I think all oh, the conversations that we've had, I mean, about all the things that we're insecure about through this process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I had to describe our relationship, I would say it's, ba- it's always been based on a foundation of, of you are my best friend. I think mm-hmm. we are best friends. Absolutely. And there was love before when I was in a relationship where I didn't actually know you. And then there was a lot of confusion during recovery about what the heck that's going to shape up to be because of right. the betrayal. Mm-hmm. And then now that we're in recovery, there's love for the person that you actually are. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we'll wrap on that note. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in the next episode, we'll talk about discovery, which is oh so fun. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.